So, Umberto, during these troubling times, I thought the listeners might just enjoy us just talking about random things, and frankly, I might enjoy that too. What do you say? That sounds like a plan. This is the Psychology in Seattle podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Kirk Honda. I'm a therapist and a professor. Who are you, Umberto? My name is Umberto Castaneda, and I design teddy bears. So I asked on Facebook for people to submit questions, and here are their questions. Rita asks, Umberto, actually, I asked them to send questions for you. So this is, this right. is, this is uh, focused on Umberto time. Think of yourself as being on the Charlie Rose show, and you're trying to avoid being sexually harassed. Rita Yikes. says, didn't he sexually harass people, by the way? Didn't Charlie Rose, wasn't he accused during the Me Too movement? Charlie Rose was? I think so. Really? Oh, wait, that sounds, that actually sounds familiar. I don't know. He seems like an unlikely sort of guy, you know, like the Matt Lairs of the wor- world. You're like, yeah, I could see that. Right, right, but, right. But right. the Charlie Roses, it's, it's like learning that um, Alex Trebek did it. It just doesn't make any sense. Anyway, so Rita says, Umberto, tell us what you really do for a living. She says, I think, honestly, you are a tattoo artist. <laughs> oh my gosh, that would be very interesting, especially because like my brand of tattoo artistry would be, you know, a little different than normal. So, you know, everyone's doing like Asian characters or they're doing like, you know, maybe uh, Buddhist things or, or yoga things. Uh, I would be doing like anime <laughs> and like sh- shitty anime. <laughs> but um, So yeah, uh, no, I, I'm not. Uh, I, I have a Okay, I mean, full disclosure, I, I've been running a family-run teddy bear business for the last 20 years, and, um, you know, we make, I, I don't usually like to talk about it because uh, teddy bears are very personal to people, they're very personal to me. In fact, uh, no kidding, my very first little toy in the world was this little Winnie the Pooh stuffy bear that was very little, and I still have it to this day. It's the the last remaining vestige of my childhood the only toy in fact that i have from my childhood which is is sad uh but it is uh, it's missing a nose it's wearing a mickey mouse uh shirt that's too big for it because i lost the original red thing a long long time ago uh but so because of that i, I you know i really care about teddy bears yeah and i have to say that you're pretty consistent with this but for christmas you didn't even get me a teddy bear which i, I noticed but uh, honestly, yeah. Honestly, after you know the dozens that I have in a box somewhere in the, I, I keep, I keep, <laughs> I keep one or two out that I like. But um, it was, it was, it was both a nice respite from having to put more in storage, but it was also, uh, I don't know. I felt like maybe you didn't like me anymore. I was trying to send a message. I'm sorry. Maybe I was too subtle with the message. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Jesse says, um, which is an equally, uh, I think, poignant question here that everyone wants to know about you, Umberto. Uh When you make a peanut butter and jelly sandwich, do you put the peanut butter and then the jelly on one side of the bread and then put the other slice over it? Or or do you spread the peanut butter on one side and the jelly on the other? Also, do you include butter or margarine? What about separate utensils for scooping out the peanut butter and the jelly? Berto, people want to know, what do you do? Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, these are great. These are great. Hard-hitting, but great questions. 
you know, a little hard to answer too, because you know, it's it's. I know this is going to be listened to by lots of people, and so I really have to make sure my answers live up to the expectations. Uh, look, I have a very consistent way of doing peanut butter and jelly sandwiches. I don't think any other way really works well for my purposes. I don't think anyone else should use another way. Um, I toast the bread. That's the first thing I do. I don't want it too toasty. I do not like burnt anything. Don't give me like, oh, this is delicious charcoal chicken with the burnt skin. Like I hate anything that tastes carbony. Hate it. So don't burn the bread. If I ever do because I, I was screwing up, I have to scrape it off, you know. Uh, so that's the first step. I don't butter it. Um, uh, because, uh, you know, I, I try to avoid too much butter because the peanut butter already has plenty of fat. So then on one side of the one, one of the breads, I, I spray, I spray, <laughs> I spread the peanut butter. I like uh peanut butter that is just the peanuts. I don't like it salted. I don't like any oils added. So I want to make sure it's just the peanut butter. I don't like it too chunky. You know, so I just kind of put that on there. Uh, the layer I put on is is not super thick where it's like gooping off, but it's it's enough that I don't want to see bread. I don't want to see sunlight between me and and the uh, bread. Uh, and then on the other side, I spread my, my jam. Now, my favorite jams are these little, fr- not little, they're tall French. You might have seen them at the store. They're like, they're kind of taller glass containers. And they're like, it's just like French such and such. And they have these delicious like marionberry and strawberry. Oh, so good. So I, I think my favorite probably is marionberry, in fact. I grab that, spread it on the other side. Again, not too much. I don't want to have it be too sweet, but definitely cover the bread. Don't add anything else. And then carefully go plonk. One side goes on top of the other. If it ever is not angled properly and they're not even, I just throw it away and spit in everyone's face and then start over. But if they're lined up properly, I then enjoy it one bite at a time, and it is glorious. Wow, very detailed. Top fan Rebecca says, one embarrassing story you can recall about each other. So I guess this one is directed at both of us. (laughs) All right. Uh, (laughs) Well, um, let's see. Uh, Radio-friendly embarrassing story. Anyways, uh, I can recall the time where we were... um, uh, dancing at a Celtic Bayou, and then we got back to my place. It was a great day. We've talked about it before. It was the day we recorded Talk to the Girls video for our old band, Missionary. Uh, we just had a great time. Well, so, uh, uh, so uh, uh, yeah, I, I, I had some time to think about this question, like, I don't know, a minute or so. And similar, I'm guessing, to you, uh, so many stories. Uh, I mean, just from that one night alone, both yes. of both of us could rattle off, you know, probably like fifteen <laughs> different stories that are embarrassing for both of us. But and to be clear, that was what thirteen years ago. It was literally thirteen years ago. Yeah, crazy. We were kids. Yeah, uh, and uh, so I was, you know, I was trying to think. Okay, there's so many stories I could tell that are embarrassing uh, for both of us and and for you. And then I was thinking, okay, well, there's got to be some that are radio uh friendly and and are there? <laughs> and then i was thinking well uh, there aren't really because anything below uh, <laughs> extremely embarrassing you kind of thrive <laughs> in that space of awkwardness you know like that's true like if like i was trying cuz you're not really 
you don't really get embarrassed, you know, like you, you'll just stop it. You're embarrassing me. You just bounce back up and be like, be like, yeah, I just did that. Like you're, you're (laughs) actually, you know, we actually have an ongoing joke where, you know, Birdo. Birdo. uh, Yeah. Like, (laughs) uh, do you remember the background of that joke? Uh, I mean, weren't we at like a dinner or something and we were saying like, Maybe I was under the table, and then I'd pop my head up, and you'd be like, Berto, I don't know, <laughs> something like that. Yeah, it was, It we were making a joke, uh, or you, you somewhat, we were, I don't know who was saying it, but you and I were joking around about some guy going down on another guy. Oh, yeah, yeah. And we, it wasn't a homophobic joke, it was more, no, no, no. it was some kind of like, just sexual, it was just like a sexual joke. Yeah. And then you... You know, we were just talking about a generic guy going down yeah. on a someone else or something. Right. And and then you like inserted I go down on you and then Yeah, you inserted <laughs> yourself into the joke. And it was like why would you put your like you you wanted to make fun of yourself. And and, and so and then we you and I immediately like got that meta joke and we're like Yeah. Isn't that hilarious? In our in our heads, we're like, isn't it hilarious that you just put yourself in the in the worst position in that in that scenario? Literally. Yeah. So so but so but so then, then from so, yeah. yeah so then from then on, whenever you did something like that, which was frequently, we'd go, we'd point down at our crotch and go, Birdo, Birdo. <laughs> yeah, it's like. It's like the recurring inappropriate person in the cast, you know, and like in a show or something. Yeah, just like you throw yourself under the bus, like <laughs> so. I, I can't think of a single embarrassing uh, moment that that you know even remotely is embarrassing, really, to you. You know what I mean? Like you're just like, well, I don't know, that, that happened, and you'll be the first, <laughs> and you'll be the first person to like advertise it too. You know, I, I mean, I remember the pull. Pol- polyamory one in in vancouver (laughs) oh okay so i mean do you want to tell that story? that's embarrassing do you want to tell that story sure i I think i might have even told it before but man that was embarrassing i was in um i was in vancouver at the time and uh i was in a relationship not in vancouver um and so but we were out at a club and i felt guilty about like hitting on this one girl because, you know, I was in a relationship. But in my convoluted, uh, surely under the influence brain, I, I was thinking, well, but what if this person's into, you know, polyamory or something? So I'm sitting there talking. We're talking about great, normal things, I'm sure. And then all of a sudden, out of nowhere, I'm like, are you into polyamory? <laughs> and then that just like, you could see the face change. Like if anyone's ever watched Rick and Morty, this is the moment where Morty's lips droop down to the floor. <laughs> like, it's just like, what? Why would you ask me that? Like, what? And then that just like, of course, ruined the conversation, ruined the moment. And uh, I was trying to explain it to my friends. And, you know, all they could do is make vicious fun of me for that. Um, yeah, <laughs> it wasn't a good pickup line for sure. <laughs> top fan, top fan Linden, famous patron Linden says... On a scale from one to techie, how techie is Kirk? Uh, so, what's your answer to that? Uh, one to techie. <laughs> uh, how, I, I want to say how how, how I how uh, techie I think you are. I guess on a scale from okay. one to techie, how techie is Kirk? Oh, you're you're pretty techie for a for a therapist, man. Um, 
but you do get frustrated with tech. And don't get me wrong, I do too. So I'd say like, I know people that they don't get frustrated. They like, they keep going and going and going and they're just like ridiculous about it and they build arcade machines at night. So um, I'd say you're probably a, a, an eight, maybe? Yeah, there is, I, I don't know what it is about my traumas or something, but I have a, I, I can go from zero to 10 in a burning rage, we used to call it burning rage in <laughs> high school, um, around technology stuff. Yeah. Um, and, and I always say the same phrase. I, you know, whatever year it is, I'm like, it's 20 fucking 20, and we still can't get, you know, Skype to work with Windows? I mean, what the fuck, people? You know, because there's certain things where I'm, I'm just like, yeah, I know. you know, like, uh, it's 2020. You know, there, yeah. there are certain things where I expect things not to work, uh. like... Like, I don't know, like VR is sort of new, I suppose, or connecting sure. connecting an Apple device to a PC device. I still kind of expect <laughs> that. But if I'm in the PC, anyway, but yeah, uh, but no, yeah. I hear you. And I, I so I have because, you know, I'm I'm pretty techie, too, and I get the same frustrations. For example, I remember uh, when Skype first was a thing, I was so happy because I was able like I was able to. um I went down to Columbia. I bought my dad a PC. I, I set him up with Skype. And then from there on, we started being able to Skype. This is a long time before it, it was bought by Microsoft. It was it was working great, you know. And I was like, oh, my gosh, this is life-changing. Like, I can see my dad. I can talk to him. I don't have to travel every month to go to Columbia or something, you know. But then it was acquired by Microsoft, first of all. And then they start changing stuff. And it went from, like, this glorious new discovery to... Uh, like a f- the most frustrating experience every single time because the UI would keep changing and and he would have a different version than me and then I'm like dad I can't see you and, and he's like oh I don't know and I'm like okay do you see the little button it's got like looks like a little rectangle with a triangle on the side uh no I don't have that button and I'm like D- I I I know you have that button so then I guide him through how to like take a screenshot which is by the way hard enough and then. I, I somehow I'm like, look, send that in, in an email. And then that was hard. And then I finally get the stupid email. And I'm like, there's no button. Like, where's the button? Like, what is this UI? I don't. Oh, my God. I'm getting re-traumatized right now, man. It, it was not once, not twice. It was every single time till, till we finally found new software. And it was, ugh. And that, yeah, like, I kept feeling the same things as you. Like, what year is this? What is happening? This used to work. Yeah, Skype, they broke it in like 10 different ways. And one of the ways they broke it was in addition to just bad UI and, and I don't know what the what they were thinking. I, I also uh, think a, another problem is the developers are like, they have to justify their jobs. And so they have yeah. to change it, even though there's no point in changing it. It's kind of one of the nice things about Facebook is that it changes occasionally, which is a, which is annoying, but it doesn't change very often. I, I, I'll give it that. I will say you're right there. They've kept it fairly cons- – in fact, the times they've made changes, it pissed everyone off. And they so they tried to like – you know, I've seen this so many times though in my industry. Like we'll come up with a new bear design, right? And uh, and it, it, it's, it's actually good and we test it and like lots of users love it. So we'll hire up a whole division – like, okay, we're just going to manufacture this one type of bear because this one's got like a little skirt. It's got the little pink Elton John glasses. It's going to be awesome. Okay. But inevitably, once we got the production ramped up and we're going, 
you actually don't need the full division that you initially hired because you don't need all the designers. You actually don't need like you've optimized your process. You don't need all the engineers. You know, but you still have the team, and you don't want to fire them. And so then you're like, well, I mean, what if we added like little glowing lights to the skirt? And then you're like, well, well, what if the glasses instead of just like being glasses, like you could fold them and they turn into a hat? And then like you start changing all these things, and then pretty soon you break the glasses no longer stay on as glasses because now they got fully bendable parts. And then the lights catch fire. Now you got a lawsuit. Like that's how I lost my last factory, by the way. Anyways, it's it's a mess. And like if we just were happy with, okay, this is a successful product. Uh, you know, let's redirect these people or uh, unfortunately, like, let's shrink a little bit and let's just keep customers happy. How about that? Yeah. Yeah. And one of the things that they were seemingly doing to Skype that I noticed was they were trying to turn it into like a Snapchat or something. And there were all these effects. Yeah. They added all these like effects and all these like weird emojis and stuff. And it wasn't just something that was extra that was sort of off to the side that I could ignore. It was something that was really quite in your face. Yeah. And nothing made me happier. Nothing has made me happier. Well, that's stupid, but I've been, <laughs> I've been, I've been very happy that all that Zoom is like completely dominating the marketplace right now as, as everyone is, is doing from home. And there, there's all these, uh, uh, people talking about like, Wait, what's this Zoom thing? Because I've been using Zoom for a couple of years. My university found that it was it was like the best platform, and so my whenever there was any kind of remote anything uh, throughout my entire university, it's always been over Zoom. And so I've been getting used to Zoom for a long time. And whenever I was doing remote uh, podcasts, I would always do it over Zoom. It's very easy. Uh, like I, I, I was so happy when I discovered it uh, compared to Skype. I was just like, oh, my God, you can actually record directly from Zoom. You know, like with Skype, you had to have this this, uh, you know, third party uh, software to record and it would crap out sometimes. I mean, there were times when I lost entire interviews uh, be- yeah. because of this stuff with with Zoom. It's more stable than my recording software that I use to record our podcasts. Zoom yeah, yeah. Zoom has never crapped out on me, which is incredible, you know, that uh, something would be that consistent, um, particularly because it has to convert all these files. It's, you know, I've, I've talked for like three hours sometimes and converted the file, and I'm just watching this, this you know, this <laughs> this dial, you know, the, the slider, like, so, okay, still converting, still converting. I'm just like, oh, shit, this is going to be rough. And then it, it always works. But, yeah, I, it, a lot of people right now are just like, how, what's this Zoom thing? Like, everyone's talking about Zoom, and I'm just like, you know, welcome, welcome to, to the world. Welcome to 2020, people. Anyway, <laughs> top fan, Samantha. Oh, another question here uh, for me is that from famous patron Lennon. On a scale from one to humanities and artsy, how artsy is Umberto? Oh. I, that's interesting because on one level, you're extremely creative, and even your drawings are artsy. And you appreciate art, and obviously you write music and you record, and when you see good art, you really enjoy it. Um, but on the other hand, on another sort of different adjacent scale to artsy or, or the the sort of like how how into the humanities and artsy are you? I would say you're not really at all. I mean, I guess there are some right. times when you talk about literature or, or 
um, you know, some classical composer or something. But you're pretty down to earth, I would say, similar to me. Like I, I have almost no knowledge of, you know, so there are some people that talk about certain artists or certain authors as if all of us should know this person. And I'm always like, I have no idea because I, I grew up in a fairly, although we were middle class in a way, I also feel like my parents came from working class generations, um, uneducated, you know, not very highly yeah. educated people. And although, you know, smart and all that kind of stuff, um, whenever I bump into people like that, I'm like, oh, you must come from a different stock, you know, <laughs> like like high class sort of conversations were probably going on while you were a kid and you, you overheard those things. I, I've never been a part of that kind of ritzy thing. Do you know what I'm saying? Oh, I agree. I, look, uh, as Jacques Foucault de Laplace always liked to say in his poems, that's <laughs> just kidding. No, look, I, I grew up with a medical doctor in the house. And so conversations were about science. They were about the brain. They were about, you know, like, and, and encouraging me to do math. Uh, and it was about how much disdain my dad had gained for classical music when he used to love it. And about, that was it, right? And like, the one Oh, and he did talk about Russian authors. I guess he'd read a couple Russian authors. Um, but yeah, my dad was not very humanities inclined. And my grandparents, you know, they were, like you said, they, you know, working class. And my, my grandpa, by the way, off the charts smart, but not like read, you know, like, I don't know that he went to university. I have no idea. But he was so smart and he was an inventor. It was crazy. But yeah, I didn't grow up with those conversations or, or those, you know, books like the library of books. My, my, the library of books was in my dad's room and it was all medical books. Um, hence why I, I remember these titles that you sometimes, you know, parade out. I'm like, oh, I remember that title. <laughs> so um, your dad, your grandpa was an inventor? Yeah. So my, my grandpa worked in a few jobs. His last long job was he was a safety inspector at a shoe company in Colombia. I know that sounds made up, but it was real. Uh, it was the, <laughs> the biggest shoe company in, in Columbia. Uh, but, but the thing is, he at home had this uh, workshop full of all these electronic things and stuff. And he would make all these uh, gadgets and he would uh, create ways to do this. He uh, basically built his house. You know, he hired construction workers and stuff, but he designed it and he like figured out, you know, like it was made to the way he wanted to make it and stuff. Uh, he was a very accomplished person in that sense and very, very smart. Just not, you know, he was a middle class, lower middle class, which for Colombia was not not well off. So know, but. do you feel like you took after him and less so of your parents? No, because I mean, well, yes. And my, I mean, my, my dad had a certain kind of intelligence, right? He's so he had some difficulties learning. He had, uh, what but, do you call but it? you're, uh, but you're an ideas dyslexia. guy, you know, you're, you're an idea. Oh, I see what you're saying. I see. Yes, yes, yes. Yes. That must be it. You're right. Absolutely. Cause that's not my dad and not really my mom either. So I think you're right. Yeah. I, I kind of enjoy thinking about that in terms of how we take after our grandparents. It, I'm yeah. often compared to my Japanese grandma because she was a singer and that she was that's what 
if you didn't know her well, that's all you probably knew about her was that um, she was a singer from at her church. Uh, She would do solos from her uh, teenage years all the way up until she died at the age of 101. So, and in the, I guess it would have been like the 30s and 40s, she was well known throughout Spokane, Washington as you know, perhaps the most beautiful Japanese singer. Um, I'm I'm kind of bummed out because by the time I heard her sing, she was she was pretty el- elderly and uh-huh. was losing her hearing, and her voice wasn't what it used to be. And Aww. there's no recordings of that early time, and so I feel like um, I didn't really um, ever get to hear yeah. it, which is which is. But but there's. There's people in my family are musical, but not the way that say you and I are, and uh-huh. not the. So often I think about my grandmother as interesting, the sort of musical genes or something that that got into my bones, <laughs> you know. Um, anyway, uh, top fan Samantha writes, favorite country you visited. What's your favorite country that you visited, Berto? Well, unfortunately, I think you've visited a lot more countries than I have. So it's not like I have this huge repertoire and I'm going to select among them. Um, so the countries I've visited include Colombia, the United States, Canada, England, Stock, uh, Stockholm, Sweden. Me- Mexico. Got to be Mexico. Oh, and Mexico. And that might be it. You haven't been to countries around Colombia? No, not really. No. I landed in Panama once. (laughs) So, and I landed in Iceland once. So, no, I I mean, it's, I don't want to call it sad because for some people, uh, these things are important for me. That's not something I prioritize. It's not like I'm like, oh, if I only could have traveled. I, I don't, I have other goals. But at the same time, you know, I would like to say I've visited a few more places. But of the places I've visited, uh, and I'm just going to say, like, I'm just going to discount Colombia and the United States just because that's where I've lived. Uh, so that narrows it down to Canada, England, and Mexico. So I'd say England. <laughs> England was so, well, because I have so, so many amazing memories from my trips to England, uh, both when I went to Liverpool uh, and I saw the Beatles places, and, and that was so amazing. That was such an experience. And I could do a whole episode on that experience. Um, I've written a song about that experience. And then uh, and then there was this other trip where I went and I, I chaperoned a whole bunch of kids through like various places in, in England. And that was amazing because prior to that trip, that was like in 2008. Uh, so, tw- you know, 12 years ago. Crazy. Uh, in that trip, I didn't want to go on that trip, frankly. I'd signed up for it a year in advance. And then when it was approaching, I was like, oh, man, I don't want to do this. Going to... England, I've been to England, you know, because I'd been there for work or whatever. But and and I'm like, we're gonna go see a bunch of tutti frutti museums, and I gotta like pay attention to all these kids. Ugh, who needs it? Ain't, ain't nobody got time for that. Yeah, but, I, I I agree. Yeah. I I did a me and Stacy did a trip to Paris and London. We took the channel, and I was really looking forward to Paris and France and did all my pre-planning and pre-booking of things for Paris. The uh-huh. the ca- the catacombs, 
uh, Notre Dame, all the museums, the Louvre, uh, the the Sacred Heart uh, Hill, <laughs> um, <laughs> the Moulin Rouge, the restaurants, the the Arch. You know, there's just so many things right. that are iconic and. And the history, and uh, you know, uh, what's Marseille? Is it called the the Marseille, palace? Yeah. Oh, Versailles, 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 Versailles. Versailles. Yeah, Versailles. That's um, and there are all these things that I couldn't do. I wanted to go to Bordeaux. I wanted to go to all these other places outside. We didn't have time, and it was it was it was really great. Paris is amazing, uh, and the history and all the things that we saw. I I really loved Notre Dame. Actually, you know, Notre Dame actually, and. Just walk in, walking around the town, the bridges, the uh, the bridge where you put the little lock on for your for you and your loved one, you and your significant other, and you throw the keys. Yeah, over the thing. I really loved it. Uh, of course, Eiffel Tower, blah blah blah. And then I kind of neglected the whole London thing because I'm like, ah, London. I don't know. It's just who needs it? Yeah, you just it's not it's not you don't. <laughs> there's not a lot of love stories about London. You know, it's all about. Paris. We always had Paris. It's not like we always yeah. had. We always had London, you know. Um, <laughs> and and but you know, I did a little bit of research because of the Beatles stuff, and and there are you know those little like where Paul wrote yesterday, and, and that kind of thing. But I was like, ah, I I I, I sort of have a bad taste in my mouth about the Royals. It's like, why do we still have that stupid right. stupid thing? And and this is before watching The Crown, uh, the TV show, which kind of made me appreciate the Royals a, a little bit more. Um, not entirely, but at least interested in the story. <laughs> but anyway, we go to London, and I, it was just amazing. I mean, every every street in this you know zone has history, has something interesting, and the food and the people and yeah. the liveliness and... Uh, the energy, the, uh, I don't know, there were just so many amazing moments in London. Even going to uh, Buckingham Palace, which I resisted, and Stacy was like, well, come on, let's go. And I was like, oh, okay, this seems like a, ma- <laughs> a massive tourist trap. What, what do I care about some rich person's you know, <laughs> mansion and walking through with like a thousand other people? But I actually really enjoyed going to Buckingham Palace, particularly yeah. later when I started watching The Crown and going like, "I've I've been there, I've I was there," <laughs> you know. And it, uh, yeah, there's just so, going to Freud's Ashes was just this amazing experience. I mean, mostly because the the groundskeeper guy who led it, who had the key and led us into the uh, whatever the the mausoleum where all the ashes are, he had to let us in, and he. Um, he had written all these poems about Freud and and made us both cry as he was oh, talking wow. talking about you know death and grief and 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 just all these different stories and visiting um, the T Rex guy's grave because apparently it was just like his birthday or something. There's all this these flowers around him. Um, Mark uh, Mark I can't remember his name. We have a we have a fan. We have a listener who's like really into him. That is going to kill. Is he the guy who discovered T Rexes or something? <laughs> the band T Rex, you know. Oh, <laughs> okay. Oh, sorry. Yeah. I thought you were asking. <laughs> I literally him. thought I thought it was like the archaeologist that first discovered T Rexes. <laughs> yeah. I actually went on a little bit of a T Rex uh, de- uh, rabbit hole last night on YouTube. Uh, really? He he has a really cool style of recording. It, like the songs are extremely simple, and uh, 
almost like copying a lot of you know uh, older styles of music. I have a question. Isn't T Rex that song? Hey kids, rock and roll. No, 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 no. No. Who's that? Uh, that is a terrible song um, by I don't know, but uh, uh, it's it's an artist that actually had better songs than that. I, we won't go down that rabbit hole anyway. Uh, bang a gong, da da da, get it on. You know the original was by T Rex, oh, okay. but there's other songs that you would probably recognize by T Rex. Anyway, um, I should just look it up. T Rex. I mean, this is a weird episode. So no, T Rex. <laughs> T Rex the band, not the fucking dinosaur. Come on, people. Um, <laughs> uh, Mark Bolin, yeah, Mark Bolin. He he's sort of a he's sort okay. of like. He's sort of like uh, David Bowie's precursor in a lot of ways, mm. uh, and he died yeah, early, really, you know, and and tragically. I'm really uneducated on T-Rex. I, I don't know why. I, I know I know a couple of the songs because I remember hearing them and and saying, "Oh, I know that song." But um, you know, I had this, but I had the same thing with with England and with London, where when when we finally got there, and I had no choice because since it was a, a chaperone tour. Like, the things were pre-booked, and I wasn't the organizer, so, like, I was going to be dragged around to these places. But then, two things happened, actually. Prior to that trip, I was reading, I had started reading more history. I got kind of interested, um, and I was reading Isaac Asimov's uh, uh, History of the World, which is, like, this huge volume where he goes from... Three, you know, thirteen billion years ago, and in logarithmic increments, goes through the history of the known, you know, the known history of the world. Uh, and I was already at the seventeen hundreds or something when I took the trip. So, so that kind of actually had made me really kind of more curious about history. And I get there, and we start going to these places. And yeah, it, like when we went to the Tower of London, and I realized this is. This place is like a thousand years old. It's a thousand years old. Like that was like the oldest thing I'd ever experienced. You know, like I'd never been in a place that was that old. I mean, other other than nature itself, right? But like a human built thing that was that old. Yeah, and and as a history nerd for myself, like that sort of stuff just cranks my chain. Like I, yeah. there are so many. Um, stories that we know about that it, that we have written accounts about from a thousand years ago that happened at the Tower of London, <laughs> and just and then of course going back even further to Vikings invading up you know up the river up to both Paris and I think to London. Anyway, we also got to go to Shakespeare, you know, to Stratford upon Avon or however you say it. Yeah, uh, where Shakespeare was. And we got to see a play there at um, uh, at a theater there. <laughs> uh, it was a Shakespeare play, obviously. I think it was Taming of the Shrew, maybe, or, or something. But, dude, keep in mind, this was with a set of uh, high schoolers and junior hires. I think between, I think the lowest ones were in maybe eighth grade all the way to seniors. And we're sitting there, and there is Full, there's a scene with full-on male frontal nudity where this guy comes out with, like, no pants. It's like he's the lead actor. And I'm, like, looking around, like, oh, my gosh, did parents sign waivers for this? Um, and 
like afterwards, like it was, of course, all the kids were like, this is so embarrassing. God. All right, let's take a break. When we get back, let's continue replying to these questions from people on Facebook. What do you say? Let's do it. All right, people. So, Umberto, if Shakespeare was to write a play that would have a character that would be convincing the listeners who are listening right now, who are not yet patrons, to become patrons, what would that sound like? Oh, if Shakespeare were to write a play? Yeah. Okay. How dost thou this morning look upon the yonder sunlight of the pot and hear thy words? Why are words? These are not the things I should be doing. Why are these words from these peasant people in the roses that smell sweeter? You should contribute, for if thou doesn't, thou risks going to thine grave and never coming yonder. (laughs) Beautiful. All right. (laughs) John on Facebook uh, says, After 9-11, there was an increase in compassion, consideration, national pride, togetherness and empathy those feelings started to taper off after a week and most of the changes i feel were temporary uh, not counting the tsa of course with this being an extended crisis with the coronavirus do you think there will be a lasting change Berto? what do you think i do believe there will be some changes um some things that for example i'm realizing that i think maybe more people will realize is and, and granted, I'm speaking from a position of extreme privilege. So, you know, grain of salt. I'm realizing that, man, I can do stuff at home and be okay. Like, for example, I can eat at home and I, I don't have to go out all the time. I realize that's not great for restaurants, but on the other hand, it's been very good for my health. I'm eating better. Um, sorry. And then... uh also, just like I'm getting to sort of enjoy my house a little bit and, you know, uh, try to clean up a couple things. And so that's good, too. Um, I don't know if that's going to be universal, but but I, I feel like I'm connecting more with where I live. OK, that's one thing. The other thing is I'm spending more time outside my house, which is funny to say, but like, you know, trying to like get outdoor time. Uh, and that's also interesting because I usually just you know, don't just take my outside for granted. And, and as a result, seeing my neighbors who are also grounded, but so we don't go in each other's houses, but we do spend some social time outside, which is nice. Uh, I feel like that'll be a lasting change is th- that relationship with our neighbors. Cause we've lived through COVID-19. Um, I fear that there will also be some, some negative long-term changes because um, at least in this country, What's happening is they're they're you know the, the way that the government's bailing stuff out it, it's it's not just for people there's there's a lot of uh, big companies getting bailouts um, that maybe some of it didn't have anything to do with this and so I think that there's going to be a lasting repercussion where our like our deficit is is ballooning even more and all these things so I think people are going to be very concerned about money and about the economy for a while even after this thing ends i don't think it's going to be the magical rebound we are all hoping for um other than that i i hope i hope that there will be a lasting effect on how we handle pandemics because 
you know, this thing of like, I think a lot of us did this thing of throughout, not just this time, but every time there's something, some news in Asia or something like, oh, a whole bunch of people are dying because of some chickens or something. It always feels very remote. Like, yeah, that sucks. But um, luckily that's not us. And this this time is a reminder of like, yeah, all it takes is a couple flights and then it is you. And then it's just as much you as it was those those countries. Um, so I'm I'm hoping that that is a change that happens. Lastly, man, huge positive impact to the environment for a couple months. Could there be some lasting impact? I don't know. I mean, on the one hand, I'm hoping that there is, in fact, literally a little bit of a of a reprieve towards trees and the environment just from those two months, and maybe that can just do a little bit of an inch of difference. Uh, but all, other than that, I, I'm wondering, are, are people going to look at this and be like, well, should we wait for the absolute catastrophe moment or should we actually start changing a little bit, just a little bit of our daily patterns, like not driving as much, staying at home a little bit more? I, I don't know. Maybe that's just me being naive and optimistic. But Yeah, I agree with uh, the predictions that you're making. Aside from that last one, I, 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 have, uh, I have no faith in humanity yeah. and our politicians that in, say, three years, uh, there's going to be enough of a change in people's lifestyles and and emphasis on uh, pollution and CO2 that that will make any difference. I I gave up a long time ago. Uh, Now, I hope that that's not true, but um, I I gave up. You know, we've we've already seen massive changes in the climate. And, you know, because 30 years ago, it was still mostly an, an unseen prediction that was going to happen you know the glaciers are melting uh you know greenland is melting species are dying whole whole coral reefs are dying uh the the average global temperature is obviously going up and you know we're doing nothing we're we're doing nothing in fact this we're doing we're doing we're doing worse we're we're pumping more co2 as a as a species particularly when you add up everyone around the world so, yeah, but all the other predictions, you know, make sense to me. The, the only thing I'll add to that is that, uh, and I feel this for myself, that this massive change in my attitude about working from home uh, with, yeah. the, with the university and the massive change in my attitude about using Zoom to do therapy or teach a class, I used to hate doing this sort of stuff. And and, and if you would have asked me, I'd be like, nope, you know, I'm, I'm too old for this or something. I'll, <laughs> I'll never adjust to teaching classes over Zoom. I'll never adjust to therapy over Zoom. And I have gotten used to it. And to the point where I had this, uh, I had this thought last night of just like, because I, I have this, um, I don't know, sort of brainstorm future where Stacy and I, uh, just travel uh, by uh, what do you call it, motorhome or something uh, around <laughs> Canada, around North America and, and Mexico, and maybe even go into South America, and just do the podcast remotely as long as I have an internet connection. And then I could also teach my classes remotely. I could also see my clients remotely. <laughs> you know, like I, I, I wouldn't have to change any because right now it's like I'm stuck at home. I'm doing everything remotely. Well, right. I could take that on the road if I had a good enough internet connection, a good enough rig in my in my you know setup so that I could you know stay connected to the internet. 
Right. And so it just opens up this this whole new thing, because I always thought, well, if we ever did that, I'd have to quit the university, I'd have to close down my practice, and and I'm like, well, actually, I wouldn't have to do any of those things. So, yeah. so I think that um, for a lot of people, businesses, they're going to be like, well, if we're going to survive the next one that this happens, we have to start setting up people to work from home. It'll be an economic necessity that I think a lot of companies will realize that that a lot of companies have realized, but some companies really did not. Like uh, a lot of the mental health agencies, actually, because I know a lot of you listening have emailed me about this, they uh, uh, resisted and are continuing to resist allowing telehealth to happen. Whereas, so some agencies are moving to telehealth and they're just like, yeah, go home, see your clients over Zoom or over the phone. And then some mental health agencies are like, no, because we can't bill for that. And we don't have HIPAA compliant video conferencing or, you know, we don't like that. We don't want to lose, you know, if we send everyone home, this agency will be out of business in three months because agencies are usually just scraping by anyway. And so... It's forced the government and all these mental health uh, agencies to iron out the legal and ethical and procedural things that need to be in place for people to work from home. Otherwise, all these people would go without services, right? So I think that there's going to be a real shift, and um, I think that that's a great thing. It's great for the environment. It's great for just mental health. Like, uh, for me, when I go to my university and I have to be there for a long period of time, it stresses me out. There's yeah. just there's just something about uh, being around a bunch of strangers, uh, having to deal with th- sort of the minutia of business that c- can be good and bad at times, the the stress of of the commute, of parking, of eating out downtown, which you know can sometimes be a kind of a crapshoot. It's just so much more relaxing to to be at home, you know, and to stay. Yep. In, I, I I had this thought the other day. I thought. You know, if I was a Twitter person, this would be something I would tweet. And then I thought, I bet you someone else has actually said this and they would think I ripped it off. But this did genuinely just pop into my head. I I, I thought about tweeting, which I don't tweet, so I don't know, would be, um, I can't tell if if I'm working in my pajamas or I'm sleeping in my work clothes. (laughs) <laughs> I love it, man. I'm going to steal it and post it, and then I'm going to get all this adulation. It's going to actually get on all the talk shows. I'm like, this was the best tweet of the year. And then I'll, I'll, be, I'll, I'll be interviewed by all of them, and I'll be in my pajamas, and they'll be like, oh, my gosh, it's like meta. You, got, you are a genius jokester. Because it, it, I, I, I'm literally talking to you right now in, mm-hmm. in the same outfit I wore while I was sleeping earlier, you know? <laughs> yeah, I'm and, naked. Because, <laughs> um, you know, I, I wear, but I, I, I guess I sleep in sort of fancy sweats. Um, <laughs> and I work in, you know, fancy enough clothes that I can, anyway. The, the <laughs> other thing I think that will happen long-term to answer John's question is co- a little bit more compassion for immune-compromised people. There, oh, yeah. there have there have always been well. There's two groups of people that have always been experiencing this. One is immune compromised people, or people who have immune compromised people in their family. They've been, you know, doing everything that we're doing right now, you know, since they've known about their diagnosis. The other people are people who have obsessive compulsive tendencies, or or uh, you know, full on phobias around germs, which I and I think you are. 
in, a, in at least in that category. Yeah. And I think there, there'll, there'll be more compassion or more awareness. Now, after 9-11, I, just off the top of my head, I don't know if this is true, but I think there were, there were two effects that happened for people from the Middle East or people who are perceived to be from the Middle East, the people who might have been Muslim or were perceived to be from, from a Muslim area or, you know, were Muslim, that before 9-11, it wasn't, you know, there was racism and xenophobia, but after 9-11, there was an increase in xenophobia and racism against uh, those, those groups of people. But there was also a movement to be more compassionate towards them. So there's just more awareness about that, those groups of people. And, and you had some people being more harmful to them and then also some people actually being more caring and more reaching out to them. And as a result, yeah. I think we have, uh, you know, to date seen, like we actually have uh, someone who would be perceived as from one of those groups as one of our representatives, right? Um, uh, I can't remember her name. Um, what's her name? Do you know her name? <laughs> she, oh, she, in, uh, here in, in Washington, you mean? In, in Seattle. She's one yeah, of yeah, our... Yeah, in Seattle. Yeah, yeah. Which uh, the, the libertarians in the right wing hate her. Yeah. Is Jayapal, is that her name? Anyway. I think that's right. I, I don't know how to say it, but... Yeah, I, I don't know. I, I forget, you know, what her lineage is, but um, but at least she's perceived as being, you know, one of those Muslims who's trying to take over, you know, the blah, blah, blah. Um, and we're seeing more Muslims in TV shows and, and, and this sort of thing, more representation. And I, I wonder if 9-11 hadn't happened, if we would have seen that. So I think yeah. in the future there will be perhaps uh, just more awareness and, and maybe uh, maybe more compassion towards people with immune-compromised conditions. Um, I, I also agree that, uh, I, I guess this is just an optimistic point of view, that there will be more money and attention given to prevention efforts and setting up uh, you know, hospitals to have more beds, more ventilators, you know, this kind of thing. I mean, primarily because all the experts are like, look, the coronavirus isn't going away. You know, even if we right. flatten the curve, it'll come back next next fall. And if it's anything like the 1918 flu pa- pandemic, it'll kill 10 times more people because people will be relaxed next fall. Yeah. You know, they'll be like, ah, you know, we, we survived it last time. We'll survive it again. And then it'll kill like a whole bunch of people. And, you know, even if we do manage to get a, a, a vaccine, uh, you know, the experts are saying by the time they, they can actually vaccinate the populace and, and get a herd immunity, it's going to be like two or three years, maybe three years from now. So we've got three right. years of... Uh, of what we're going through right now, if not a hundred times worse. So at least in the short term, uh, you know, politicians are, are not going to be elected if they don't get on board with allocating funds um, towards these prevention efforts and also beefing up our, our medical abilities to respond. I mean, it's just embarrassing to live in a country that is the most advanced the most rich, by far, by the way, uh, of any civilization that has ever been on this planet, <laughs> and we're we're scraping for testing, and we're you know we're just falling over ourselves. Yeah, um, uh, it's it's just embarrassing. You know, the visual I have in my mind is 
you know, if our country was um, um, like a police officer, uh, a robber comes out of a bank with a bag of money and a gun and starts shooting people, and the police officer has like like all this accoutrement on their body, and they can't get <laughs> and, and they and they don't have a gun. The gun's like in their car around the corner, and it's and it only has like two bullets in it that may or may not even work. You know, it's just oh, like God. it's like you know you've you've laden yourself with all this bullshit and. Why don't you have a working gun at your side when you need it? Like, okay, sure, it's not frequent that you need the gun. You might not have needed it in in your entire career, but it's not inconceivable to imagine that as a police officer, you might need a fucking gun. Well, we've all known that this could happen. It's not frequent, <laughs> but we've all known. And look at us. We're just so stupid. It just we I just feel like it's just embarrassing on a certain level. Anyway. Dude, I, also it's it's twenty twenty. Can you tell me honestly that in in 1985 you didn't take it for granted that by 2020 we would have freaking cured the colds? You know, like why are we still breathing through our freaking lungs at this point? You know? Yeah, we should be energy beings by this point, man. Um, Top Fandarian says, "What are y'all eating? And how often are you eating?" I only ask because it's like my binge eating disorder. And a lot of other people's has been like super exacerbated by this whole situation. Uh, so what are you eating and how often are you eating, Berto? That's interesting. I didn't consider that for many people this could actually be bad in the other direction. Uh, that's because I guess I'm too narcissistic, so I assume everyone's like me or something. Um, yeah, I, I have actually been – and I'll say this. I think traditionally, whenever I eat at home, even when I was not eating great food when I was younger, I just still eat better at home. Maybe it's because, you know, I grew up in households that had good home cooking and, um, and you know, it wasn't constant snacking and stuff like that. But anyways, um, I have been eating <clears throat> pretty well. So I bought a whole bunch of purple sweet potatoes ahead of this. And uh, luckily, they're still, well, as of last week, they were still delivering them. So I was able to replenish. Um, I love purple sweet potatoes. They're my favorite thing, actually, I think. I discovered them a few years back when I was doing nutritional research. And, and they're this uh, food that the Okinawan population ate for a long, long time. Um, it's super rich in antioxidants and fiber and protein and minerals and everything. Uh, okay, so I... I cook those, I, I bake them for uh, 45 minutes at 350 degrees. Um, and oh, it was very important. I first rinse them off lightly and then only lightly dry it off so that it still has like a little bacteria on the skin. And then I cook them. And then after I cook them, I eat a little bit of the skin, but not too much. And then I grab the rest of the inside and I mix it with avocado, flax seeds, <clears throat> a little bit of apple cider vinegar or lemon, depending on my mood. I add a little bit of garlic sauce, which is garlics, olive oil, salt and pepper, not too much. And then I crush it all together, crush, 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 crush into this mush. And it's like this nice, uh, vivid purple, oh, actually it becomes magenta with the with the acid from the lemon or the apple cider vinegar. And it's just like mush, mush, oh, delicious. And then I grab a nori seaweed sheet and I spread out like a row of this deliciousness. And then I put a little bit of pickled ginger and a little bit of um, 
of uh, sauerkraut, like in this case, beet sauerkraut on it. And then I roll up that roll. Oh my gosh, I'm salivating right now. And then I, and it's crunchy and the inside is delicious and sweet and tangy. Oh, oh. Wow. Uh, Uh, That sounds sounds amazing. So that's what I do for breakfast, right? And then my lunches, oh my gosh. Okay, so one thing is that I love rice dishes. That's like, I just, growing up, that were some of my favorite foods. Like my grandma makes this, which I think you had, this coconut raisin rice. It's so good. Okay. But um, so what I'll do is I'll grab some white rice and I'll grab um, chickpeas or lentils, but I, I tend to, uh, uh, sorry, or uh, green beans, but I tend to prefer the chickpeas or the lentils because they they actually work better with the flavors. Uh, I'll spray, lightly spray some uh, coconut oil on the pan, just light, and then I'll add some vinegar, maybe some white wine vinegar, and then I'll just, you know, add some onions. Ah, so good. And then, I'll add the rice and the le- the lentils or the garbanzo, and I'll you know start stirring it around. I'll add a little bit of turmeric with pepper, and then oh, I'm salivating. And then some raisins, and I'll add all sorts of other things like little spices like rosemary and this kind of stuff and things like that. Uh, I'll add a little bit of spicy sauce, although I've had to eat a little less spicy recently because my tummy gets irritated, which sucks. So angry about it, but anyways, and then I was just like, shh, and then I like spray a little lemon as it's cooking, and then and then that forms this delicious rice thing that when oh, and then I might put a little bit of coconut flakes on it too, maybe some nuts like pecans or things like that, and when it's all done, take it out of there, I I maybe add a little bit of garlic sauce on top and just eat that, and it's delicious. Wow, that's <sighs> it. Sounds amazing. Top fan Serenity says, how are you dealing with the lockdown? Any tips for people going crazy due to the lack of in-person human contact? Um, right. Well, I mean, I do have in-person contact. Um, uh, as I mentioned, I, I, I'm socializing with my neighbors. Um, and I am trying to stay very uh, connected via video calls, uh, podcast calls. And uh, my work is constant video calls. So if anything, I have too much human contact. I need to have less human contact. And I got to say, if you, you know, I thought like because of this, my work would reduce a bit because, you know, you, you can't be like manning the factory floor of teddy bears if you're working from home. Nope. Turns out that we're having constant meetings. Oh, and that's the other thing. Uh, so here's my gripes of wrath. Normally when you have meetings, like... There, there is this natural buffer between meetings because you have to like you can't go over because people start knocking on your door if your meeting's running over so you, you know the meeting will end second you have to walk to the next meeting even if they're back to back so you get a little bit of uh, you move your legs you get to go from one place to the other third people try not to book back to back meetings as much because it's just not possible fourth your calendar has difficulties and not the rooms are not usually available so everyone doesn't book as many meetings but now Everyone's like, oh, yeah, book meeting, book meeting, book meeting, book meeting, back to back, back to back, back to back. No walking in between. Meetings run over because no one's knocking at the door. So I actually end up so much more exhausted from this. And I'm like, I don't want to see people, you know? Yeah, I totally agree. There's this knowledge that everyone has of just like, well, we know where you are. You're stuck at home 
and you're not doing anything, you know, <laughs> right. and it's, and it's nine to five. So it's the work day. So we can look at your schedule and we know exactly where you are and we know that you're free before you, you know, you could say like, Oh, I got this thing or I've got a, I have a dentist appointment or I've got to run an errand or something. Well, you know, that's not likely to happen. And so I've, I've been noticing the same thing <laughs> and uh, you, we don't have the, normal ability to come up with excuses to get out of meeting, <laughs> right. meetings like, that you don't want to, but, but I'm sure we'll be able to figure that out. You know, the, the, the ingenuity of the labor force will hopefully figure out a new way to avoid uh, superfluous, <laughs> stupid meetings that uh, upper administration continues to, uh, you know, oppress the masses with. Like, I, can I take a sick day right now? What is a sick day? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Top fan Ed, we all know top fan Ed, he says, I'm wondering if you guys have any go-to activities that reliably make you feel better during this weird time. Berto, what do you think? Yes, I actually do, but... um, Okay, so this one comes with a caveat. I recently realized that I should stop doing this activity because I thought it was actually helping me, but I think it's hurting me. And it's masturbation. No, just kidding. That's not it. No, um, I have this game on my phone that is a stupid, stupid, mindless zombie game where these zombies keep coming. And I I kid you not, Kirk, I installed it because it looked from the pictures like a tower defense game. And I love tower defense games. But all it is is one little corridor. The scenery never changes. There's never levels. Like, it's always the same corridor, just the length of the screen. And zombies keep coming from the top. Always the same kind of zombies. There's not different kinds. And and, and you have five slots, and you just have to keep upgrading those slots because the zombies get more, like, harder to kill. And so you need to upgrade your slots. And it's the most mindless thing because all you're doing is just waiting to get enough money to upgrade your slots so you can get more money to upgrade your slots so you can get more money. To, and that's all that happens. And it's so stupid. But but the reason I'm saying this is because I was playing it as a way to like not think and I was kind of enjoying that. But then I started getting addicted to it. Oh, and then here's the other problem. It's one of those games where you have to watch commercials for other games to get like the next things. It's, it's so stupid. So like in order for me to get enough money to get the upgrades, I need to sit there and watch a 30 second ad for another game that I have no interest in playing because it's the same kind of vicious, abusive game. And I don't want any more of this. So I finally realized last night, I'm like, okay, I got to stop. I'm going to uninstall this bullshit. I'm addicted to it. It's brain dead. And I thought that was good right now, but it's it's soaking or it's it's sapping my soul. Yeah, that's interesting. Uh, I, I can see that though. I mean, there are games that I have played. I mean, they're less uh, mindless, but you know, I get the mindlessness satisfaction that we get. Uh, you know, I was playing Settlers of Catan on my phone for, you know, a few years. And after a while that game gets pretty predictable. And yet I would just play that over and over and over and over and over again. But, but there's some strategy to that. I mean, you're right. Yeah. I guess if you play it enough, but like at least it's a, it's a well developed game and stuff. But imagine if you had a thing where it's like you have to press a button on the phone screen over and over and over. And what you get from pressing the button is the ability to press the button more. But I get that. I, 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 I can't relate because I'm more sophisticated than you are, of course. <laughs> but, but, I, but I get it because the, 
they're, they're, you're doing it because you must need to do it, you know, yeah, Be, you know, yeah. and, and, and you're, you're, you're judging yourself because <laughs> it doesn't hold up to a cultural, uh, rubric and, uh, you must need to do it, you know, like it, it must be, you know, it must offset something. And I could imagine knowing your personality, your brain is working a thousand miles per hour and your brain needs to take a break for a little bit. And it needs something so mind numbingly uh, repetitive and, and predictable and without any strategy to sort of offset that. I could see that top fan Colin. Of course, we know calling in with Colin. Uh, he asks, Compare yourselves to classic dynamic duos of any medium. <laughs> so, uh, and and who is who is what he's asking. So, who do you think you and I are compared? You know, when we analogize ourselves to other dynamic duos. First of all, hi, Colin. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. This is fun. So, first of all, you know, Batman and Robin comes to mind. You're Batman. I am Catwoman. um i think um you know stuff like abbott and costello no actually i I never watched that one but uh the the odd couple and you're jack lemon and i am uh what's the other dude um oh god or uh what's his name yeah the other guy yeah the other guy the the messy guy yeah you're, you're, you've got your apron you're trying to clean around around me and i'm like sorry dude i just spilled some beer um and so that's that's one. And then maybe if we thought of like uh, Tom and Jerry. No, no, that's that's too difficult because we're not really chasing each other. Uh, we're not we're not thwarting each other. Like spy versus spy is antagonist. They have to be things that are not antagonists. Right. So I don't know. What what do you think? Well, Hall and Oates. Uh, oh yes, good one, good one. W- I, I guess I would be Oates because Oates was more the songwriter and was less flashy than Hall. Wait, which um, one is the one with the big bushy black hair? That's Oates. You're Oates? You think you're Oates? Well, he's the more, he, I mean, if I was, if I was, to, I, I, I'm not Hall. I, I, I don't, but. You look like Hall. I look like Oates. <laughs> <laughs> um, and I can't believe you don't know who John Oates and Daryl Hall, oh man, like I, I know their songs, God, and I know like, what they look like, but I don't know which one's which. <laughs> they're one of those bands that I know a lot about and grew up with, and you know, listened to the albums. My whole family did. Like we would, yeah. as the albums would come out, you know, we would listen to them. Uh, Bert and Ernie, I think. Is oh yeah, pretty, yeah, ter- totally. Yeah, although except, I, except my eyebrows look more like Bert's eyebrows. Yeah, I mean, you're definitely the Ernie, but I don't know. I don't feel like I'm the Bert. You're not really a Bert. You know, uh, Simon and Garfunkel is another interesting one because, on the one hand, uh, you know, I, I think of you more like as a Paul Simon in terms of the, the writing and stuff. But at the same time, uh, your voice is more like Garfunkel's. <laughs> so yeah. It's kind of like we're a weird mix. Yeah. Um, Beavis and Butthead. <laughs> I did a I did a Beavis and I did a Beavis and Butthead uh, jaunt on YouTube last night because Robot Chicken is often recommended to me and there's a they did Beavis and Butthead like uh, Robot Chicken if you don't know Robot Chicken it's yeah, a, yeah. it's a Comedy Central thing Adult Swim where uh, it's claymation essentially stop <laughs> stop motion and they they make fun of things and, and they're making fun of beavis and butthead and in the skit 
it's them older, so they're adults. And so I remember that one. <laughs> Be- Beavis is like an attorney or something, and he has a regular job. And uh, Butthead is still Butthead, and 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 Butthead comes over for dinner, kind of invites himself in, and um, somehow changes Beavis back into the original Beavis. But anyway, which is funny because I, I was gonna say you were, you know, I was thinking you were Butthead, I was Beavis, uh, but then maybe it's it's reversed in that. And that's yeah. <laughs> um, Patty asks favorite electric kitchen device. Favorite electric right. kitchen device? What's I mean, for me, hands down, the blender because I I use it to make my little special shakes all the time. Um, I, I have a video on YouTube detailing my shake concoctions. I I really rely on it, and I have a very very good blender that I. It took me a long time to land on. I went through a lot of blenders, you know. Yeah, for me, I would say my musubi mold, if anyone knows what that is. Anyway, Nancy asks us to sing happy songs, but let's kind of hold off on that maybe to the end. Jessamy says, what do you two normally eat for breakfast? What do you eat for breakfast, Berto? Did you already describe it? That Oh, that, uh, that well, thing? for breakfast or during this time? Because I, I talked about the sweet potatoes, but that's not all I eat for breakfast. Well, give us, um, an, give us another thing you eat for breakfast. All right, well, I'll talk about the Colombian breakfast. And granted... Right now, the Colombian breakfast goes against my my mostly veganism, but but I'll just describe it because I grew up with it. And oh, oof, okay. So, at my grandma uh, Liti's house, and she's from the coast of Colombia, the breakfasts are very cheesy and very um, cornmeal based. Uh, so that means that there's usually some some contraption, something made out of cornmeal and cheese. The most common ones are these things called arepas. So she grabs the the mass of the cornmeal with a little water, and she adds this special kind of cheese called queso costeño, which is uh, cheese from the coast. And it's this salty, spongy, kind of semi-hard cheese that I, I haven't found it anywhere else. The closest is there's, there's this cotija or cojita cheese from, from Mexico. I forget which one it is. Anyways, um, the cheese adds this saltiness and deliciousness to it. And then she also adds uh, a, sometimes a, a couple other kinds of cheese. But usually it's just that one. And then she masses it all together. And then she puts it with butter to uh, on the skillet to um, not fry, to sear or whatever it's called. Both sides. And they get like a little bit of that golden brown and the cheese melts and then you get this you get two of these guys they're about the size of a of a coaster you know and then eggs scrambled eggs but first uh very very finely chopped green onions and then finely chopped tomatoes and then stir the stir fried with the oil and then the eggs are uh beaten together beaten like a couple eggs in um scrambled eggs and then that gets poured in and then that comes out and they're called huevos pericos perico i don't know why it's called perico perico is a type of of uh like a parrot but whatever and so you have that you have the arepas and the huevos pericos and then you'll have a juice like a freshly made juice from a fruit like moras which are kind of like blackberries or lulo which is a very citrusy fruit uh, and then you might also have uh a little bread to go with it so that's oh that's so good yeah that sounds amazing uh, i ate at your grandma liti's house yeah. frequently when we were down there and i can attest to just how tasty and how uh, sort of interesting the, the dishes were. They, they were simultaneously light but very filling. 
Yeah. Um, they were beautifully presented on these platters. Yeah. And you just felt like you were in a restaurant because there's this giant kitchen and then there's this nice, you know, uh, uh, what do you call it? Um, decorated dining room with this big uh, family style table and um, and then everyone's talking and, and it's it's and it's like just a regular brunch or lunch will be like seven courses and meanwhile your grandfather is um, he can't speak any English and I can't speak any Spanish and the whole time he's just like doing all these hand signals to me to like uh, make me feel welcome and yeah. make me feel like he 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 really likes me and um, and yeah it's, I'll never forget that um, what he I keeps re- he he keeps repeating uh, aquí estás en tu casa here you are in your house yeah <laughs> and then you would laugh and like uh, uh, translate it for me uh, for me breakfast uh, I, I'm such a weird eater that it's always different but I did for a while before the quarantine get into a routine of eating not breakfast but at least my first meal which was usually in the afternoon honestly was <laughs> this uh, central market is this it's kind of like Whole Foods but better in, in near my house and uh, they have a great pizza counter and so I'd get a giant piece of chicken chicken kind of ranch pizza i guess it would be and then a giant uh kale salad and it what the kind of kale salad that isn't super tough it's it actually okay is more like lettuce um because some kale is like it's like leather you know but but this kale salad had like feta and little bits of apple makes my mouth water just thinking about it and i felt so healthy while I was eating this gigantic uh, piece of pizza. But in my head, I'm like, well, it's only one piece of pizza, but it was like the size of like four pieces of pizza, you know? Anyway, but I ate that probably, you know, six out of seven days a week. Uh, Top fan Charles says, what are you going to do your next deep dive on? Uh, Well, that's a good question. I guess that's really for me. Uh, I don't know. Uh, I have a lot of things I want to do on. And... With the stay-at-home stuff, I I at least have aspirations that I will have the time to actually really do some more deep dives. So um, hopefully, I, I want to do I want to do another deep dive on borderline. I I did one a long time, like years and years ago, but I I kind of want to revisit that and because I've furthered my understanding of borderline and personality. I want to do inter- what about some of her other songs though? Yeah, I want to do uh, interpersonal therapy. I want to do other personality disorders. I want to do a deep dive on all the personality disorders. So I don't know. We'll see. Adrian says, your go-to character in Smash Brothers. Well, you know, I don't play enough of Super Smash Brothers or Smash Brothers or the uh, the Switch Smash Brothers. So I don't have a go-to character. But when I do play, I, I mean, so I guess I do have one because I, I usually tend to go with Link if he's available in whatever version I'm playing. Uh, just because Zelda is such a favorite of mine. Yeah. I've literally never played that game, which is strange because, you know, I've, I've probably played every game or most of the popular games at least once, you know. Yeah. But for uh, for whatever reason, in my circle, there's not a lot of Nintendos happening. I mean, I had a Nintendo DS for a while that I really liked and played incessantly. There was this one game, it was a strategy game that I played for like five years straight, like whenever I could. Um, 
But I've well, never. I, I think I know which one that was. Uh, it was. Uh, I can't remember the name of it, but a it was a. Mine played that too. You you would get you would take over cities, and then you, those cities would produce things like tanks yeah. or you know infantry, and then. Um, and there were these characters that had, you know, these heroes that had like bonuses. Anyway, um, top fan Rachel asks, any recent gripes? Do you have any additional gripes? <laughs> any additional gripes? I already had a few gripes today. Uh, no, dude. I mean, okay. Uh, on a serious gripe topic, uh, just I've had so many moments of true ire. By the callousness of the words of the dude that's in charge right now, I just, oh, I can't gripe enough about it. Just the callousness. It's just, ugh. Okay. That aside, um, I, I the other gripe I have is, okay, so we're trying to keep social distancing and we're all doing our part great. Now, we still have to have deliveries. Well, I guess we don't have to if we had all stocked up enough and stuff like that. But I, I still need a few deliveries. Now... Usually they come, they leave them at the door and I let them sit out there for a bit. And sometimes I, I go outside through the garage, I take them to the garage and I leave them overnight or whatever if they don't have perishables. This one delivery comes and they needed, uh, to see, they needed to see an ID because it was, uh, it included alcohol. Now, why am I getting a delivery of alcohol? That's a good question. Fair enough. Fair point. But still. Um, now in this, this is a good example where I was able to go out, just show my ID at a distance, not interact with the person too closely. And then they left it there. And then I went back inside and I still left it, let it sit. But this other one, they arrive, they need to see the ID and I show the ID and not good enough. And the lady grabs it from my hand. She's not wearing gloves. I'm not wearing gloves. We're, now we're really close. Now our hands are like, and her hands are coming in contact with my ID. Now she's holding my ID, taking a photo of it, then handing it back to me. And now I'm like a deer in the headlights. I'm holding my ID. I'm like, uh, thanks, bye. And I close the door and I'm like, and, it's, and I'm like, it's radioactive. Holy shit, I can see the viruses on the surface of this thing. I'm turning into Howard Hughes then. And then I go to the, grab the, go to the kitchen. I grab one of the Lysol wipes and I'm like wiping the thing and I'm washing my hands and I'm trying not to breathe in this whole time. I realize I'm freaking out a little bit here, but, uh, but I'm thinking, why can't you just look at the ID? Like, like, I look like an adult, dude. I got gray hair. Come on. Just give me the damn thing. Anyways. Yeah, that would upset me too. And my wife, my wife would go <laughs> bonkers over that like she would have just been like uh but i would have been up there too that that's for sure that the three of us are definitely simpatico with, with, with that one all right uh nancy once wanted us to sing a song let's sing across the universe can you pull up the lyrics so you don't forget the lyrics oh yeah yeah, yeah. okay good good point lyrics are always a good by the way i'm so sad dude i had written a verse and a chorus ahead of because uh when we were gonna record these questions the other day uh, and I had done it in Windows Notepad, yeah. but I forgot. I hadn't pressed save, and even though the computer was running, Notepad had closed somehow, and I lost the freaking thing. The uh. file was there. It had zero words in it, no content, and I lost my little song that I had written. I thought you I, used Google Docs, which constantly no. That's what I should have used. This was a one-off where I was like, uh, you know, it just teaches me. You know, it's my own fault, right? Yeah. All right, so across the universe. Now I don't know lyrics. the fancy guitar part. I just I just know the chords. So sure, you know, no worries. You know. 
<clears throat> I don't know. I don't know that part, but anyway, ready to go? Ready to go. And I'll do the high. I'll do the high Words. part. Sure. Words. Or wait. Words. Three, two, one, three. two, three, four. Words are flowing out like it. <laughs> wait, wait, hold wait. on. Wait, we're at, so this. I think we're running into that problem with the delay. The delay. Yeah. Okay. Uh, because as I'm playing, you're after. I don't think I'll we're start. Gonna be, I'll start as you're saying. Maybe we should just do acapella, but still, oh, okay, okay, there's okay. still going to be a delay, though. This is not going to be. Words are flowing out like endless rain. So, so, so you can hear the the delay, right? All right. So, how about this? How about I record it? No, 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 no. You'll, no, you'll no. have to how mix it in, right? You, I'll, I'll play the guitar part. You okay. sing. And I won't, I won't sing because then. Oh, I'll, okay. I'll play. I'll sing as I hear your guitar. Right, and I'll so, in, in post. I'll match it up. So ready. So why don't you start playing? Play one bar, and then I'll come in. Okay. Words are flowing out like endless rain. Wait, I can't, I can't listen to you while I do this. Because so it'll I'm, throw I, you off. Yeah, I'm going to take off, <laughs> I'm gonna take okay, off my headphones. Get, okay, try to get. <laughs> Words are flowing out like endless rain into a paper cup. They slither while they pass. They slip away across the universe. Pulls the sorrow waves of joy. I drift in through my open mind, possessing and caressing me. Wait, I think I messed that up. Anyway, that's probably good. <laughs> we got the verse. All right, everyone. We just did that. Man. And please take care of yourself because you deserve it.